Well, it's uh, great to be here Christmas Eve with all of you. And um, do you want to mention before I forget, um, January 8th and when we meet in person back here, we are starting this new series, Reset. And January is a great time of year to evaluate what is important and how to structure our lives uh, just uh, in, in relationship to that. Um, people have resolutions and all that kind of thing, and, and sometimes we make jokes about that, but it is really important to figure out what's important and then to, to order our lives in that direction. Um, something happened to my goatee on this side, and some of you did not notice that, and that's okay, but I will explain what this means later and why I did this, and you will know it's almost the end of the service when I do that, so... So I'll leave and come back in a little bit, and you'll know things are almost over. Um, I'm going to talk about the Christmas story, but before doing that, I just want to tell you a story about someone else who, who definitely didn't have a, anything near as special a beginning as Jesus did. In fact, um, you, you could say he kind of looked like a failure for the beginning part of his life. He was really into wrestling and pool, not so much into work, especially the farm work that uh, he had to do and chores on the farm. And so at 21 years of age, he left home, never really did go to college and started his own business at 24, a store and bar, and that went bankrupt and folded. So 26, he was engaged, had, had been dating this girl for a couple years and, and uh, actually not, not quite engaged, but ready to pop the question. And then she died. And uh, 27, he had a nervous breakdown and and then a few years after that, had another steady girlfriend that just it didn't work out, and uh, she left him. Um, 33 years of age, he finally had a wedding date, been dating this girl for a couple years, they're going to get married, and then the wedding was called off. <laughs> Some people would say he was unlucky in love. Others, a little more harsh, would say he was just ugly. So um, later on, toward the end of his 33rd year, he actually did marry that woman that the wedding was called off, they actually did get married, so that was nice. His, his public life, um, really similar to his private life, he was a late bloomer. Um, from the ages of 23 to 49, he loved politics. He ran for office m m almost every year. And most of the time, he, he didn't make it. He wasn't voted in. He'd lose at the primaries. He didn't. In fact, all throughout his 40s, everything he ran for, he didn't get. Um, and so then at 49 years of age, he's traveling around the country with some more political aspirations and a little girl by the name of Grace Bedell, who was 11 years old, wrote him a letter and said, you know, if you grew a beard, maybe you'd look a little less, well, a little better. And maybe then people would vote you to be president of the United States. So at 49 years of age, Abraham Lincoln grew a beard and was elected president. And so there's a lot of lessons in the life of Abraham Lincoln, like how, how our character many times is formed in failure and how important it is to persevere through, through failure and loss. And maybe the most important lesson we can learn from Abraham Lincoln is if you're a little bit homely, you should grow a beard, if you're a guy, that is, and it will help. Um, but but I, what I want to talk about with that story, the reason I told it, is if you knew Abraham Lincoln's story up to the age of 49, you wouldn't know his story at all. Because everything he accomplished up to the age of 49 was, was so tiny and minor compared to what he accomplished in the last six years of his life. 
And, and, and you know, I, I think that's true not only of Abraham Lincoln, but of, of a number of people. Moses, 80 years old, most of what he accomplished happened after he was 80 and not before. And, and this is true of the birth of Jesus Christ as well. If, if all you knew about Jesus was that he was this virgin birth and there are angels that announced, you know, to the shepherds and the wise men came, you know, a year later or so. And, and, and if, if that's all you knew was about his birth, you wouldn't know anything about Jesus. You wouldn't, even, you wouldn't know the most important parts about him because, you know, Christmas isn't the end of the story. It's not the pinnacle. It's not, Jesus didn't come to declare a, a, a winter solstice festival. Like he came for so much more than that. It's just the opening act. And here's what it says about his birth, though. The opening act is important. It says this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law or a righteous man and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. His fiancée is pregnant. He knows it wasn't him. Um, the culture back then, engagement was such a significant and serious commitment that in order to break off an engagement, you needed legal papers, a, a divorce, so to speak. And so he was planning on doing that. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, when the Bible says son of, sometimes it literally means son, but sometimes it just means descendant. And so Joseph was a descendant, probably 20 or 30 great-grandsons of David, who was the king and in the royal line there. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And it's a special name. I, I, I don't know if you realize this, but in the Bible, the greater names the lesser, right? So Adam names the animals, right? Because Adam is greater than animals. Us as human beings, we're greater than animals. You can name your dog, okay? Your dog doesn't name you, right? Um, the greater names the, 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 the lesser. Um, God names Abram, Abraham. Um, parents name their children. And here, Joseph and Mary, they couldn't pick out the name, for Jesus, because they weren't greater than him. So God names Jesus and calls him, Jesus means God saves. The Hebrew translation of it, what they would have said in Hebrew is Joshua. And so they called him Joshua or Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's one of the, that, that's the important part. The important part isn't that there were angels and, and you know, visitations and the virgin. I mean, that's all, that's all important. But the most important part is that He came to save us from our sins, to pay the penalty for our sins. In fact, decades after Jesus died and rose again, the Apostle Paul said this in a letter he wrote to believers in Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption to sonship, that we could be part of God's family. But, but what does that mean, to redeem those under the law? And, and so the idea here is that the law it's talking about is, is the law of God's Word. All the commands in God's Word 
are life-giving, wonderful, good things. A lot of people think of God's commands as, you know, joy-killing and, you know, restrictive and, and, you know, legalistic and all of this, but that's not true. Every one of God's commands is for the purpose to help you not hurt yourself or not hurt other people. Every single one of them, all of God's commands about money and not coveting and not taking what's yours and being generous to others is to help you not hurt others and not hurt yourself. All of His commands about sexuality and relationships and things like that, that, that's what it's for. His commands about respecting other people and their property and being unselfish and kindness and love and, and truth and everything God commands, wonderful things. So if, if the law is so good... How come this sounds so bad to be under the law? Because it's talking about being under the consequences and the guilt and the punishment of breaking those laws. Because every single one of us here, even the little guys, we've all broken God's laws. I have. And we've done things to hurt other people and to hurt God. And, and because of that, we're under the law. and We're under the weight of that guilt and sin. And so Jesus came to take that weight off, and, and that's through the cross, through His crucifixion. He paid the penalty for us so that we wouldn't have to. He essentially went through hell, not, not just the cross, but when God turned His back on Jesus Christ and He was separated from God, that's what hell is, is a separation from God. Jesus did that for us so that we could be saved and that we could be called God's children. And so Christmas doesn't have meaning without the cross. And we got to celebrate Christmas with an eye toward Easter. Because Jesus was born. That's awesome. But I think we've all been born, right? And, and Jesus died. Well, everybody dies. But Jesus died for us. Well, you know what? There have been millions of people throughout human history that have sacrificed and given their lives for others. So... The, the thing that is special, most special about Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. Well, I've never done that. I don't know anybody who's ever done that. And, and so it's because of the resurrection that makes the cross so special. And because of the cross and the resurrection that makes Jesus' birth so special. And so just as we, as we sing for the rest of the service and, and think about what Jesus did it needs to be with an eye toward Easter. A little bit later, I'm going to have you get this out. Hopefully, all of you got one as you came in. Because in a little bit, we're going to talk about how Christmas is not just something like the weather. Mark Twain said about the weather. Everybody talks about it, but nobody wants to do anything about it. Um, that's, that's not what Christmas should be for you this, this year. You need to do something about Christmas. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But before we do that, we're going to sing a song. And is written by Philip Brooks. Philip Brooks was, uh, became a pastor at a very important church in Boston about the year before um, the Civil War started. And then throughout the Civil War, uh, he wrote his sermons, and back then many times sermons would be printed in newspapers and spread throughout the country. And he, he encouraged northeastern part of our nation through the Civil War. And then at the death of Abraham Lincoln and his assassination, his eulogy really comforted the nation. But three years after the Civil War, Philip Brooks was in despair because things weren't getting better. 
The nation was divided. Racism was rampant and, and perhaps even getting worse. And so he left America and went on a trip to Israel. And while he was in Bethlehem, this overwhelming sense of peace came over him. Like nothing he'd ever experienced before and was inspired to write a poem, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets. And I think in that Christmas carol, the dark streets aren't just talking about the physical darkness that would be in Bethlehem streets at night, but about the spiritual and moral evil and darkness that, that really is all over our world today. Now, just as much as during the Civil War, there is a darkness. But in our, those dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And so um, we're going to sing this song. Before we do, though, we're going to light the candles that you took as you came in. And if you got a glow stick because you're too young and we don't trust you with candles, no, because glow sticks are cool and you can take it home. That's actually why. You can break that glow stick and light it up. Um, but the, the ladies are going to start lighting the candles right now. And, and here's the thing about lighting candles. This is symbolic, not just of how Jesus is the light of the world, like He is the truth. He, his love lights the darkness and the evil of this world. But he invites you to be a part of that. And so as, as the candles are lit, one candle then, it's not, we're not all lighting them from one big Jesus candle, right? We're lighting them from one candle and then your candle can light someone else's candle and that candle lights someone else's candle and on and on it goes. And so I just want to encourage you as you light others' candles to think about who is it that you need to tell about Jesus? Who is it that you need to share the truth and the hope of Jesus with as Jesus invites us to be a part of uh, the hope and the peace and the joy that he wants to bring to this world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. thank you that we can come together and be reminded of how a little baby was born in Bethlehem and placed in a manger. But God, I just thank you that, that that's not where Jesus stayed and that he, he grew up and he taught and he did miracles and then he died on the cross for us and rose from the dead. Lord, I just thank you and praise you for your salvation and for Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. Um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to close just with this illustration, and it's kind of silly. I wish I had a fuller beard so you could actually see it better, but basically... I cut off half my goatee just, just for the service. And, and the reason I did that is, is to, to communicate two things. First of all, half of a goatee just doesn't work, right? Like, like you really got to go the whole way or not. And, you know, just half of the story of Jesus just, just doesn't work either. We have hope, not just because of the birth, but because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, and, and the, the second half of this is, is not only that does half of Jesus' story not work, but half of your story doesn't work either. Um, it doesn't matter what age you are, and we have some young, you have some kids here, and, and you got your whole lives in front of you, and you're probably expecting that you'll accomplish more significant things, you know, 
in the future than you have in the first six years of your life. I, I hope that's true. Um, but then we have some other people that are, you know, older than dirt. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. No. Um, you know, you got great grandkids. Do you have great, great grandkids, Joyce? Great, great grandkids. Yeah. Um, but you know what? God's not done with you either. Um, if, if, in fact, here's a test for you to go home and do to see if God's done with you or not. What you do is you get a mirror and you put it in front of your face. And if it fogs, he's not done with you. Okay? <laughs> and, and because you're still breathing. Because when God's done with you, we all know what happens then. You know, you, then then you, go, you, you, know, you go to heaven. Or not. But you're done. And um, so, so I just want, half your story, I just want to encourage you to live for the next half. The best is yet to come. The, the, the more, I've been praying even for my own life. You know, I'm, I'm over 50 years old, and I won't tell you how much over 50, but, you know, that, that God would accomplish more in whatever is left of my life than, than, than all the previous years before. Um, but, but not only is half of Jesus' story or half of our story, not really the whole story, Jesus came not to have us be half-hearted. You know, if I were to say to you, you know, I'm just not sure about this beard thing. I think I'm going to go halfway. What do you think? You know, and I wish I had one of those big bushy beards, you know, that, that Roger has right there. This would look so much worse if I had Roger's Santa Claus beard, you know. You just can't do a beard halfway like this. It just doesn't work, right? It's ugly. You might as well not do it at all, right? It's, it's all or nothing. And this is what Jesus came to, to communicate to us about our relationship with God. So many people think God can be this, this weekend thing. God can be this like afterthought, this hobby-like thing. Jesus says you need to love the Lord your God, not with half your heart, with part of your soul and a little bit of your strength and mind. No, he said God came because he wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And many of you here are followers of Jesus. At some point, you were all in because that's what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. You have to say, I want, Jesus, I want you to forgive me of my sins by what you did on the cross, and then I'm going to follow you. You're going to be my Lord, my master, my leader. I'm all in. That's what it takes to be a Christian. Many of you made that decision, but somewhere along the lines, you've started hedging, and, and you're holding back, and you're half-hearted, and there's something you're holding on to maybe that you know is wrong, and, 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 but, but it's, it's, what, it's what you want. And you can't trust what God wants for you. And I just want to encourage you this Christmas to go all in. As soon as we get home, I'm going all in, and I'm shaving the rest of this thing off. Right? Yeah. That's, thank you. I actually, I did this two nights ago, just in case of snow, we, we recorded so we could do something online. And then I went to get water. And this lady was like, could I ask, like, what happened? And I said, you should come to Bridgewater. I actually preach at this church and she knew where we were, you know, and I didn't see her. But, um, so that's, that's what this is about.
This is, this is about encouraging you to go all in in some way because I know, and this is why I want you to write something down, because I know if you don't write something down, you won't do anything. As soon as you leave here, you're on to the next thing. You're, you're getting together with family. You're, you're hopefully not doing last-minute shopping, but some of you might be doing that too. You're, you're shoveling your driveway, whatever. You, you guys have the night. I mean, it's, it's going to be busy. It's going to be great. And you're going to forget all about what maybe God and the Holy Spirit is convicting you of right now, how you need to go all in. And so maybe all in means getting baptized. Maybe it means accepting Jesus as your forgiver and leader. Maybe it, it, it means serving God in some way, giving. I think for most of us, it's going to mean other. And if you're watching online, you don't have one of these, but it's actually in the chat right now. And so a lot of you, when you watch online, you kind of minimize the chat because it's distracting and all that. Um, but, but open that up and, and look there. What does God want you to do this Christmas to be all in. And hopefully, I was talking to my son Daniel about this last night, you'll all remember that I had an ugly goatee. Hopefully you'll remember why. And you'll go all in for Jesus. I'm going to close this in a prayer. Um, after the last song, Joel is going to come up and just encourage you to hand in this little, you can just tear it right off like that. Hand in this little card into the buckets at the end of your row and, and hand them over. We'll do that after the last song, but let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, um, I just, Lord, I know, I know you do not want this to be a business as usual Christmas. And, and I know there's a million things that, that, that everyone in this room and those watching online, there's a million things we got going. But I, I just ask that, that you would just get a hold of us today, that you would make it clear in each one of our hearts what you want us to do to be all in for you. And God, if there's anyone here that has never accepted you as their Savior and Lord, I just ask that they would pray along with me right now to do that and to make that happen. God, I, I admit that I'm a sinner and I am so thankful that Jesus came and was born and put in a, in a feeding trough and grew up and was crucified on the cross for me to pay the penalty for my sin. I ask that you would punish Jesus instead of me, that you would forgive me for everything I've done wrong and, and I, I'm going to turn away from that, God. I don't want to live for me anymore. I don't want to do that stuff that I'm ashamed of and feel guilty of. I want to live for you. I give you my life. I'm making you my leader and my Lord today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.